Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Church. Enjoy the message. Today we're jumping into this series, All In, last week of this series. Our theme verse for this series has been out of Ephesians 1, and the Apostle Paul has a prayer that he has for the church in Ephesus, and we believe it's God's prayer for me and for you. And uh, here's what the Apostle Paul says in chapter 1 of uh, Ephesians in verse 17 through 18. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious glorious inheritance in his holy people. And Paul says, hey, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that you would have the the spirit of wisdom, that you would have this revelation, that you'd be able to see some things the way that God sees them. Because when you begin to see life and begin to see people the way that God sees people, it changes things. And you really come alive. And that's the whole dream. That's our vision as a church. Because if you can't see where God's desiring for you to go, if you don't have vision, the Bible tells us, you cast off restraint. Uh, he says, where, where, where there is no vision, people perish. Basically, people give up because there's really no direction or call or there's nothing to live for. And you need that thing that you just wakes up. You wake up in the morning. You're just so excited for life. This is what God desires for us. And it's our mission as a church to come alongside of what we see in Ephesians 1. Really, it's God's vision for your life. And it's our mission to help as many people know God so they can find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's what we're called to as a church. Matter of fact, repeat that with me. Know God. Find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It was like 30% of the room was participating. Go again. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And that's that's what we're called to be, uh, not just here at Soma, but we just believe every believer is on this journey of knowing him. Paul says if you know him, you can know him better. And then what happens is he begins to help the eyes of your heart be enlightened. He'll, he'll begin to help deliver you from some things. So you view everybody and every experience, every relationship through things that happen to you, things you've done to yourself, brokenness in your life. He said, let me clean some of that up so you begin to see people differently so that there's this hope in front of you, this purpose in, in front of you, and your glorious inheritance is in a people. You get to be a part of something so much bigger than the part that you play. You get to be a part of what God's doing in and through the local church. So today I want to talk about make a difference. I want to talk about make a difference. That's our focus when it comes to our mission as a church. John 15, 8, Jesus, he, he says making a difference is so important. Here, here's how important it is according to Christ. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And Jesus isn't saying that in order to be my disciple, bearing fruit is the way to become my disciple. He's saying out of the overflow of a relationship with me, again, you're saved by grace, but you're saved for works. 
And so you meet Jesus and you experience forgiveness and salvation and surrender. It's a moment where you don't really bring much to the table other than accepting the gift that God has for you in Christ. But out, out of that, you begin to make an impact in people's lives. You begin to bear fruit. And so you're created by God. You have an assignment and you were created to be a difference maker in the world. It brings glory to God when you're doing the thing that you were made to do, but inside of his purpose. And so John 15, 11, Jesus goes on. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So here's what's so cool about the way that God designed it. When you're doing the thing that you were created to do, when you're in your sweet spot, when you're living out your purpose, your call, when you're making a difference in other people's lives, when you're making it more about serving the people around you than you are about yourself, you're actually given over to a joy. It's his joy, and it's a complete joy. It's the only place you can experience the, the true fulfillment that life has. The highest level of fulfillment and joy comes in giving your life over to the service of others. And even secular psychologists and sociologists would align with this. But it's been in Scripture from day one. And so Jesus goes on to say this in John 17, 18. He says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, God... God the Father, he said, I give them a mission in the world. And Jesus is saying, you've given me a mission and an assignment, and now I hand them the baton. I'm giving them a mission and an assignment. Christ, when he's on the cross, right before he gives his life over, he, he, he utters this phrase. He says, it is finished, uh, or it is accomplished. The thing that I came to do, I have done. I'm laying my life down only to pick it up again. And, uh, and so when he picks his life up again, so once he experiences resurrection, he spends time with his closest followers right before he ascends to go to the Father. He hands the baton to the local church, his disciples and his followers, and he says, okay. He says, my spirit's going to come. It's going to dwell in you. The only thing better than me walking alongside of you is my spirit in you, and now you're going to be the ones to carry the message and the hope uh, of this message, of this grace, of this gospel to the ends of the earth. And so it's this, it's this exchange. It's this, hey, I've had an assignment. Now you have an assignment. You have a mission. And so you and I are called to be an extension of Christ. The Bible, Paul refers to us as his body. We're, we're the body of Christ. And even though we're many members coming from different backgrounds and experience, passions, gifts, all of that, we get to be a part of something bigger than the part that we play. Here's what he says in Ephesians 2.10. Paul says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Even though you're saved by grace, you are saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You already have a purpose. We talked about this last week. You don't have to make one up. You just got to discover the one that you were created for and align your life with what God's called you to do. The happiest people I know are the people who understand what their assignment is. You're going to be more fulfilled if you know why you live and what it's all about. Acts 13, 6, uh, 36, I love this phrase. It says this about King David. Here's his life's testimony. It says, for when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. I thought, man, how cool would that be to be on your tomb? You know what I mean? Like, fill in your name, served God's purpose in their generation, and then they fell asleep, and then they stepped into eternity. And so that's what God's desire is for every single person in this room that we would serve and fulfill our purpose in our call in the time in which we've been planning. Because that's a big part of your assignment. Because sometimes, I don't know if, if you're like me, I, there's certain parts of me that wish I was born like in a different era. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, I wish, oh, it'd be so much easier if I was born X, Y, Z. But 
Uh, but like you have an assignment, you, like you've been called to this time. You've been called to these people. There's people in your life and family and friends and coworkers and all kinds of people. God has a unique call on your life. What's so cool is that it's one big, it's one big mission that God has for us, but you have a unique part to play inside of that mission. How amazing is that? He is like giving you a crafted, tailored experience based on your gifts, your passion, your context for you to contribute to his mission. And here's his mission. He says this in Acts 1, 8. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And I love it because Jesus is like, this is like a non-negotiable. Here is what will happen. Uh, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And here's, where, here's, here's to the extent to which that will look like. But all of us have a unique part to play. All of us have um, a God assignment. And I think there's some things that really hold us back from making a difference in the lives of other people. Because we're called to be a part of, it's a, it's a hard thing to like build uh, a family of faith. It's a hard thing to set aside your agenda. It's a hard thing to humble yourself. It's a hard thing to die to self. It's a hard thing to sacrifice. It's a hard thing to serve others instead of being selfish. And this is what God's called us to do. And you have a unique assignment in that. And I think there's some things that get in the way. Um, really, there's one thing that gets in the way. There's one thing that gets in the way, and that's fear. Fear. And it manifests itself in different ways. And I think you and I will never discover the purpose and will never make a difference if we, if we let fear call the shot. So here's four things that I feel like, um, four areas that I feel like um, of, of our lives when it comes to fear that I feel like hold us back from the purpose and the call that, that God has for us. The first one is we're afraid of the past. So... You and I, we just get, we get afraid of the past. And you might say, I, w- I would lean in, I would get involved, but you don't know my resume, and you, you don't know my life, and you don't know how messy it's been or how broken it's been. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how many marriages. You don't even know what I did last night. You don't know what I did last night. But, um, but I would say, When Jesus was building a team, he didn't go after the highly religious or the self-righteous. Jesus came and he called sinners to repentance. So if you're in a broken place, if you would qualify yourself as a sinner, if you'd qualify yourself in that, kind of with that definition, it's a good place to start. That's who Jesus broke bread with, spent time with, and called to help build his church. And, um, And so some of us were afraid of our past. And God knows your past, and he doesn't want you to stay in your past. So there's nothing in your past even all the way up to the moment that you're just like, you're hearing this message, whatever happened this morning. God knows all the things, things you've done, things you've thought, things you've said, places you've been. Like, God knows all the things, and it doesn't, it, none of that disqualifies you from the call that he has on your life, the things that he wants for you, and the future that's on the other side of surrender. None of it disqualifies you. As a matter of fact, uh, what will happen is God will redeem even the most broken parts of your story, broken parts of your past. He'll redeem it, put purpose on it, and it's the thing that he uses the most. So I would say this, if, you, if you've got baggage, if you've got sin and brokenness in your life, it doesn't disqualify you from future ministry. If anything, it qualifies you all the more. We don't want to hear from people, at least I don't, I don't want to hear from people who have always done it right, always. That's a terrible sermon. Like, hey, listen, I followed Jesus since I was three, and I uh, prayed every day, and uh, I memorized every passage of Scripture, and 
you know, uh, I sinned one time, I ate a little bit too much of a donut or what, like, it was like, I hate you. Like, shut up. This is like, you want somebody who's real. You want, like, we want people, and this is the reason why God chose who he chose to help build his team. And this is also who God still uses to build his team. And uh, you got to take the most broken pieces of your past, the things that you thought disqualified you, and realize those are the things. That's just a setup. That's going to be the greatest area of impact in your life, greatest area of purpose. The best places that God's going to use you are the places you thought, man, I'm never going to be able to get over whatever. Like that's the thing that God's going to leverage for future purpose. This is why the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. His gifts and his call are irrevocable, which means, man, if God has given you a gift, he ain't taking it away. If God's called you to do something, it's not going away. And, and the thought is, man, I came to faith in Christ, but I've experienced this season of brokenness in my life or sin. And, you know, does that mean that I'm, I'm not saved? Does that mean I'm, you know, I'm disqualified for being used in the future? No, it just means you need to confess, repent, ask for forgiveness and then let God use that, even in your story, to help serve other people. For the saving of many lives, he'll take the most broken parts of your story to serve others. But his gifts and his call are irrevocable. You need to write that down. If you don't write anything else, I'll say it down, because that will encourage you, that passage in Romans eleven twenty nine Can't be taken away. Can't take it away. You can't jack that up. And then, and then Romans eleven twenty nine. if you read it in the message, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. There's nothing you can do to be kicked out of his grace or off the team. But again, when you feel, I just feel further from God, I feel like I've had a hard season, I feel like I, I had a saving faith and I love him, but I also, I just have struggled to fear God. So it's not that you didn't love Jesus, you just didn't place reverence or fear where it belonged and just there's a place of your life that's drifted. He says, okay, cool, I'm waiting, come back. Come on, lean into this relationship again come say out loud what you already know I know I already know it just say it out loud confess it and then confess it one to another so you can find healing in that area of your life and then repent which means change your mind it's not just it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing to really change your thinking in that area of your life which means I have to submit and surrender my way of thinking to what God's already said and then what he says by his spirit about that area of my life who does God say I am what are his promises for my life and, and who does he say the people in my life are? Again, you, you need to begin to repent. Think different so that you can be given over to purpose, so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. And too many of us are hiding behind our stuff. We're hiding behind our stuff, but you have to let go of your past. And if you ever want your past to let go of you, you got to let go of your past. You got to just decide. You got to make a decision that you're going to step away from it. And God's waiting to take it. God's waiting to give you over to, to making a difference. God's waiting for you to confess, repent, and then turn back, step out of it so that you can step into the call of your life. But some of us, are, we're so afraid of our past. And I just want you to read your Bible. Everybody who God chose to use in any profound way had all kinds of junk. And it's such an encouragement to me to see every Old Testament and New godly person who who desired a relationship who desired to be led who surrendered their lives and still they're human and it's such an encouragement to me it should be an encouragement to you it doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter how far you feel like you've gone where where sin abounds grace abounds all the more and he's just waiting and some of the in a while some of the most powerful testimonies 
Some of the people that were most energized, people that we want to hear from, are people who were just real jacked up back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, you want to hear from people who've gone through things but also are on the other side because it's like, makes me feel hope. It makes me feel hope for my marriage. It makes me feel hope for my whatever your struggle is. It makes me feel hope for your addiction. It makes me feel hope for my relationships. It makes me feel hope for my finances. It makes me feel hope for my future and my vocation. It's to know, man, people went through those things. God met them. Look at where they are now. So don't be afraid of the past. But maybe if it's not the past, some of us are afraid of what others will think. I'll say this is where the majority of us live. We're afraid of what other people are going to think of us. We have a a serious fear of man issues just in our culture. We care way too much about other people's appraisal. We We care not enough about what God says and who he says we are. As a matter of fact, everything in your life, everything you and I do, a lot of the things that we do, we do because, well, what would they think if things that we eat, places we go, school you went to, hobbies you have, clothes you wear, whatever, like things you say or don't say in a public setting, in a work environment or what, like we're so boxed in by a fear of man a lot of times that it's hard for us to be faithful because we care more about what other people think rather than what God says about us. And so I'm just thinking in Scripture, everybody who did something bold, everybody who had some kind of crazy faith for God, not perfect people, but again, they just trusted God at his word. And instead of caring about what the crowd thought, they just on faith. And thank God that they did, because, you know, what would the story look like if, for example, Noah had decided, you know what, I'm good. This is not going to be cool. Building a boat in the desert, not going to be cool. Not going to have very many friends. You know what I'm saying? I get no Christmas cards. I'm building a boat in the desert for decades, and people think I'm crazy, and it's wild, and they're like, what are you doing? It's going to rain. We're all going to die. Trust me. Like, you know, and so I just think, like, what would it look like if he hadn't on faith just trusted God at his word? I think about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua, David, Elijah, Esther. I think about Mary, who's called to carry the Son of God. How hard, how weird it is for this teenage girl In her tradition, in her context, (laughs) it's weird today. You better believe it would have been weird 2,000 years ago in ancient Palestine for her to walk around in in her highly religious space and and be pregnant before she's betrothed, before she's engaged. Uh, Mary, don't worry, it's God's son. You know what I mean? Like, just imagine how crazy that is. Like, but on faith, she she decides to be faithful with her assignment. And so they're all, they all have to fight through the fear of the crowd. And you, you and I, we have to do the same thing. Um, I think about David. Again, I think about David as um, a young man, like teenager. And he's called out, and, and he just decides God's called him to go slay a giant. Everybody else is scared of this brother, but he's like, what would it look like if David had just decided, I care more about what other people think, how crazy I look in this moment. I'm not wearing any armor. No, I'm good. I don't need a spear. Don't need a sword. I'm good. I have some pebbles. We're good. I'm, I'm like, I'm locked in. You know what I mean? Like, that, think about how nuts it is. He was so dialed into what God had called him to do. He didn't care about what other people thought. And some of us, this is where we're at. We just care. We're afraid of what others will think. Let me give you some examples. You don't pray in public. You just don't pray. Somebody says something, you know it's off, it's a joke, it's a comment, it's whatever. And in our passivity and in our desire to please others or be liked 
or be popular or whatever we're thinking, instead of just calling it what it is, we're just like, <laughs> you know, and then we will like walk away or like we, we, it's time to pray with our family. And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like let's just eat. You know what I mean? Or like, let's just pray with our eyes open. Don't hold hands. Like, let's just pretend like we're talking to each other, but I'm, I'm really praying. Like just on, man, be bold with your convictions and your faith. Like the rest of the world is pretty bold, pretty brash with what they think. Like if you and I in Christ can't stand up for what we believe, what are we doing? What kind of exercise is this? So you, you should come ready when coworkers or family or friends or people question you about your convictions and your faith. Come ready. Study yourself approved to the point that you actually know what you believe about who Jesus is and what he says about himself. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a doctoral degree. You just at least need to know what are my convictions about who he says he is so that you can come ready to share the hope that you have in Christ. This is what I believe. Here's my experience. Here's my story. Here's my testimony. You need to be able to just, just like stand in conviction regardless of what the government says, regardless of what some business says, regardless of what, I'll give you a great example right now as we're navigating, um, like we have, as we're navigating building phase for us as a church and, and we found property that we love and we're talking to lenders and things like that, there, um, we have a great relationship with a lender that's going to work with us, but there are banks that literally just stop lending to churches. They just stopped. And they're like, we're not going to lend to you because of what you believe, and we're just not going to get involved in that business. And it's just like, there's literal, there's like, li that's what's happening. And so, but we have to, I think as the body of Christ, we have to stand firm in our convictions and in our faith. And some of us just have to get, I don't, I mean, politics is not the answer for sure, but you being stayed in your convictions in your place of business, hey, if you serve in education, hey, if you're in local government, great. Just wherever you're at, just be bold. Just be bold. This is what God's calling us to do. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25, it says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And, and so don't be ashamed of God. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to, like I'm just saying, be bold in your convictions and your faith. And some of us, even in a church space, we care more about what other people around us think than we really should. We're really not even focused on the things of God. Like, God, speak to me in this moment. I'm ready to hear from you. I'm going to write down some addresses. I'm going I'm to do some soul searching. Holy Spirit, I want, you to, I want you to help prune and shape me into the person in the image of Christ. When we're worshiping, I'm going to worship. I'm going to engage. I'm not going to be like, yo, I don't know about I don't know about worship like it's because it's so funny to watch the I love it so much the um the the journey that God takes people on when it comes to worship a lot of fear of man issues early on if you're new to a church space totally understand that it's a process but just that point where you just stop caring about what other people think is like so great you know what I mean like and I know because I've been there before where you just kind of like you you're in a church space and you're like okay this is good Okay, cool. That's a beat. I like that. All right, cool. I affirm what they're saying verbally, what that makes sense. Like, I'm, I could sing that. Okay, ooh, okay, that was good. That was really good. She crushed that. You know what I'm like? And you're kind of getting into it, and then, and then, like, next Sunday, you're like, all right, cool. I'll sway a little bit, you know? Like, I'll sway. I got, I'm into it. This is me moving. You know what I mean? I'm in. I'm in. And then, and then it's just like, one day, you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All these people raising their hands and just let over into worship. I'm just going to go all in. I'm going all in. Bam. I'm going to hit, Lord, I'm just going, you're sweating. They're looking at me. They're looking at me. They're judging me so hard right now. No one cares. No one's looking at you. Everybody's looking at God. But, but it's, and then it's like, and then it's, you go from that, and you're like, all right, I'm doing it. Uh, boom. Uh, just going. But you don't leave it up very long. You're like, oh, okay. 
Woo! Do it during the bridge. You know what I mean? Like when, when, it, get, when it takes off, do it during the bridge. And it's just like at some point we just got to stop caring so much about what other people, and just worship, just worship. Just pretend like you're singing to God instead of to the person next to you because you're not. It's like some of you are like, I can't sing good. He knows you can't sing good. <laughs> he didn't give you that gift. He didn't give you that gift. It's not about you singing good. It's about, it's about you worshiping, and it's about you having an encounter, and it's about you meeting. It's really less about how it sounds. That's where our flesh steps in. It's really more about giving him praise and honor and worship. And what, what does he do? What is he worthy of? What's he worthy of? Is he, worthy of, is he worthy of my life? Is he worthy of my praise? Is he worthy of my prayers? Is he worthy of my resources and my time? And do I submit and surrender my relationships? Yes. What are we talking about? And so this is, we got to stop fearing what other people think. We got to stop being boxed in uh, and stop playing so scared. Just go all in. It'll hit different. This is what, um, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 32 through 33. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Don't be duplicitous. Don't say you're one thing on a Sunday. Act like a different thing on Tuesday, different thing on Friday, different thing. It's just exhausting, too. My gosh, you got to keep up five personalities in order to just decide, is this worth my life? Am I going to go all in, even if it's not popular? Because it's not going to be popular. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. Like some of the things that God's going to ask you to do, not everyone's going to understand when you do them. What will happen, though, is the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you. He'll begin to work through you, and all of a sudden that gets off on people. Brother, sister, mom, dad, spouse, kids. They're like, whoa, that's different. And it's just like cousin, you know, like joker at Target. Like whoever, like anywhere, anybody you come into contact with, all of a sudden it's different because you're giving over, because you go all in. Stop fearing man. Start fearing God. I think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and about how, how countercultural it was for them to be faithful to God in the space that they were, in this Babylonian empire, in this place that, like, everybody's bowing the knee, literally, to false idols and gods and just what broader culture had to say about their convictions, and they're, they're, they're like, they're stayed in their conviction to the point of the threat of death. And they're just like, we don't, this is, we can't go a different way because we're so convicted, we're so assured of, of the things of God that it makes absolutely no sense. We can't do that because this is who God is. And so we got to get to a place where we don't fear others, but we have right reverence and right fear for who God is. And this is going to give you over to making a difference in people's lives that nothing else is going to it's just going to give, you're going to be able to make a difference in people's lives. It'll give you over to a prophetic bin where you just begin to say what God's already said. And, uh, and, and it'll give you, I think, a hunger for truth and a hunger for his word. And this is really where he wants us to be. Again, God, who do you want me to be? What do you want for my life? And so I stop being afraid of my past and I stop being afraid of what others think. And, but for some of us, it's not that. Some of us are just afraid of taking the next step. We're afraid of taking the next step. We know God's asked us to do something. Oh, we've heard it. We hear it every week when we gather in church. Part of it, we were like, oh, it doesn't matter if you're in church or where you're at. Just the Holy Spirit's telling you, this is the next thing that I want for you to do. And some of us, like, the, the hardest step is the first step. So that first step of surrender, that first step of really just going all in with Christ, which is why I think 
This is why it requires us to just get to the end of ourself in order to meet Jesus and begin a relationship with him. Like you literally have to get broken and just realize, oh, I can't do this alone. I need my savior. I need my Lord. Like that's the moment that we have to have. And, and, and we have to get there in order to just even take that first step. But the first step for you might be to surrender your life to Christ so you could be here today. And again, you could have been coming for months. You could have been coming since the beginning and doing religious activity. But going to church or reading your Bible or joining a small group, and these things are great vehicles for God to get a hold of you, but it's not about that. All of it is about getting people to Jesus. That's our whole goal is to get you to Jesus. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know day one. I'm going to peel the curtain back. It ain't about none of that junk. It's always only about getting you to Christ and then let Jesus work on your heart and on your life. And then he's the one that begins to do the, all the other things are vehicles. Sunday gatherings is a vehicle. Groups, vehicle, growth track, dream team. All of it is really about God getting a hold of you in that space so that you can realize things like deliverance and freedom and purpose and calling and impact. But it's really always only about getting in that relationship with Jesus. Your first step might be to surrender your life to him. Uh, your first step, your next step might be about, you know there's an area of your life that you've been struggling with. You keep holding on to the things you've been holding on. You're like, I'll just manage it. I'll just, me and the Lord will deal. You will continue to deal with the Lord. He will continue to forgive you, but you will not find freedom or healing in that area of your life. James 5 tells us, confess your sins one to another. You can find healing in that area of your life. You could stop dealing with it. Stop dealing with your, you're dealing with the same junk. You'll never be able to realize the future that God has for you if you always only deal with the past that you created for yourself. You need to just find some freedom in the areas of your life so that you can begin to, begin to in your present and in your future, just live out God's call on your life. And so if it's not finding freedom, it might be discovering your purpose. Again, growth track is the vehicle that we have for that. It's really just a conversation starter. It's not a discipleship course. It's not like, hey, I, when I'm done, I'm going to look like Jesus. It's literally meant for you to ask questions around calling and gifts and purpose. And we do step one today. Brooke and I will lead through step one. But th we do it after the 11:15 service. If you've never been and you got margin, you can come, come. We'd love to have you. But that might be your next step. It might be that you, you're in a group or some of you, you start a group. Because you've been following Jesus for like 20 years. And it's time. Like, here's the, here's the level up. Here's my experience with the level up. I, I become more like who Jesus has asked me to become. I, I become way more like Christ when I'm put in a leadership role, when I'm put in a place that I have to. I, I, I preach more to myself on a Sunday than any of you, I promise you. As I prepare each and every single one of these messages, like God gets a hold of me and helps me to realize all the areas of growth, all the areas of pruning, all the things that feel inconsistent, all the things. Like, he, he works on me every single week. And some of you, the, 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 the level up or the next step for you in your spiritual formation and becoming like Jesus is literally leading other people spiritually. It could be in a group setting. It could be dream team, whatever. But you just need to like, because it's hard. Like if, you, if you've been in group leadership or if you've been like in a, maybe some of you taught Sunday school or something like that, you've been in a role where you have to prepare, right? Like all of a sudden now I'm preparing and like, I don't know these jokers. I don't know majorities. People that just signed up for our group and I got to clean my house and doorbell rings. I'm, my pits are sweaty. I'm just stressed out. You know, I'm just like, what God, what are you going to do? Like he, he's got to show up in that space. He's got to meet you. Uh, and, and really cool things happen whenever you step outside of your comfort 
and into a place you go, God, I know you've called me to do this. I have the gift of knowledge. I have the gift of leadership. I have the, I have the gift of teaching. I have an experience in your church. I have experience in leadership in your church. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just calling it in. I'm just like lazy. I'm just being comfortable in this season. That's not for everybody. That's for some. And some of us, it, just whatever your next step is, what's your next step? Uh, it might be serving in here, like helping us do what we do as a church week in and week out. Shout out to the Dream Team, the over 400 people who set the table week in and week out, volunteer servant leaders who love Jesus and set aside time and sweat equity and talent and everything, treasures so that they can help advance the kingdom. Everything that we do is a result of people who said, I have a part to play. Here's my part. Okay, here's my part. Here's my part. And you might... You might be here and you go, I know God's called me to do a specific thing. I had a conversation last service with two people who came up to me and they had different things that they felt convicted. This is the thing. I know God's called me to do this thing. Awesome. Take a next step. Um, there's actually next step cards in the back of seats. If you're new to our church family, there's next steps cards. If you need to take a next step in any area, communicate to us what you feel like God's asking you to do, but go all in. It's like a swimming pool. Swimming pool. Like, we're getting ready to have pool season. It's getting ready to be the summer, sweet summertime. Shout out if you're excited for summer. Anybody excited for summer? Let's go. All the kids excited. All the parents, ah, okay. Like, so, but no, it's, summertime's amazing. Love it. Pool season, people are cleaning up the pool. Kind of late May, people start to jump in. It's a little cold, a little cold. You know, but kids don't care. Kids are like, whatever. But, like, when you go to get in the pool for the first time, you're like, okay, is it cold? You dip your toe in. You're like, all right, that feels all right. You put your foot in. You're like, ooh, that is cold. And, but you just decide, instead of just jumping in, I'm going to do the dumb move of just, like, going down these steps. You know what I mean? Why do we do that? It's so dumb. But we go and we're like. <laughs> that's what, some of us, spiritually, that's what we're doing. Instead of just being like, bump it cannonball in the end just dive in and it's cold for a second and it's like oh it's not it's not bad so like but this is what God wants for us to do spiritually just instead of because it's painful he's like would you just jump like oh my gosh it's terrible watching you people like just jump into the pool and so this is this is what it's like taking that taking that next step and I love that um for example back to Noah I love that Noah is credited with faith by just his decision to go all in. Hebrews 11 tells us the great faith passage in Hebrews 11. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Some of you are doing things you feel like pleases God. They just lack faith. And, uh, and so he's like, okay, cool, great. But it's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, who earnestly seek him. Not who seek him, who earnestly seek him, who go all in. He loves the one that seeks him with everything. Every fiber of their being wants you to go all in. By faith, no one, when warned about the things not seen yet, in holy fear, there it is, a right reverence of God, not a fear of man, but a fear of God, in holy fear, build an ark to save his family. And so when... Man, he's warned about things that are not even seen yet. They were not seen for a long time. It wasn't like, all right, two weeks and then they'll know. It's like decades of his life given over to the building of this thing. And, then, and so Noah takes this first step, even without seeing how it's all going to play out. 
and begins to do the work that he felt called to do. What's the thing that you know God has asked you to do? You know God's asked you to do it. And you know that in the back of your mind, you're just thinking, all right, it'll take some time for, for me to really even figure out exactly how that's going to play out. Uh, we don't always know. So I feel like for many of us, God's been working on us to take a first step towards him. And, and the question is, God, what's, what's my first move? What's my next move? And we need to hear from God. And some of you are waiting to hear from God, and you think God is going to speak to you audibly. And he might. If he has, I would love to know that, by the way. I've never had that moment. But he may speak to you audibly. He may have some crazy, miraculous, crazy scenario. More often than not, God speaks to me, and it just it's, it feels like, uh, feels like a, an impression or a direction that he takes me. He helps me to remember a passage of Scripture, or he just speaks specifically to my soul. He, basically, it feels like a whisper. It reminds me of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12. He's hiding out in a cave. He's scared. God calls him out. Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. A great and powerful wind tore the, through the mountains, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. He's sitting there trying to listen to what God's telling him. Lord's not in the wind. After the wind, there's an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And then God spoke to him. One translation says, a still, small voice, Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I feel like uh, the next step that God has for you, again, I don't even have to tell you what it is. Holy Spirit will tell you. He probably already has. What is the next thing that I feel like God's asking me to do so that I can make a difference in people's lives? And he'll whisper to you. Here's some of the things that I feel like God's whispering to us. God will whisper to you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't prostitute your calling for a moment. Don't, don't, don't settle. Don't put yourself in that environment, that situation. Don't watch that. Don't see that. Don't listen. Don't go there. Don't, don't do it. Don't. You know what the don't is. You know what you feel like God's asking you to do in that area. Or for some of us, just do it move already like i've been telling you to do the same thing for like seven years do it take a step of faith feels risky it's not risky again what's so beautiful about following jesus is is that in christ we have victory and jesus everything necessary for your salvation and my salvation everything necessary for the future future hope of eternity christ has already paid for literally everything else is just kind of like bonus so it's just like it's not as risky as you and i often think it is but He's just saying, do it. How about this one? Hang in there. I know you're tired. I know you're burnt out. I know you've been battling. I know it's been hard. I know this relationship. I know financially. I know just hang in there. How about this one? Apologize. You need to forgive them. You need to ask for forgiveness. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will tell you straight up. He'll just be like, you need to forgive that person. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to apologize. You need to repent. You need to change the way that you think. And you need to, how about this one? Get help. Hey, it's not, it's not a hobby. It's not a, it's not a recreational activity. You are literally addicted 
and you can't help yourself. You got to get help. And you'll hear him say that. Get help. Slow down. Hey, church, slow down. You're trying to do everything all the time and you're doing it poorly. You got to have real priorities. Time is short. It's so short. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like if you live for a long time, let's say you live 110 years old, right? But the majority of us, like I don't really feel like I'm probably going to live to be 110 years old. If I'm be honest with you, I like Diet Coke and steak way too much. I'd rather die a little bit younger and happy. You know what I mean? Like I've just, but, 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 but just whatever your thing is, say 84. I just throw it out a number, 84. Okay. I'm 38. So I got to take, okay, that amount of time I've already, I've already, I've already used that amount of time. I only have a window of time. What is most important to me? What's most important? And then tailor my life Build my schedule, my calendar, my priorities around the things that I would say are most important. Slow down. Some of you need to Sabbath. Some of you are angry. Some of you are frustrated. Some of you are bitter. Some of you are hateful people because you don't Sabbath. And it's the one command that people brag about breaking. Even in the church. I just work. I just work. I just work all the time. I'm just working. And it's so dumb. And it's like, it's literally above adultery and above honoring your, above everything. It's like, he puts like, keep a Sabbath. Like just, I am the Lord. You're good. I built you. Trust me. You need it. Like take a day, take a day to rest and reflect. Take a day to slow down. You need to slow down. Hey, our, here's one God said to me recently. There's more. There's more. Cause what's so crazy is, um, even this week, like, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, there's more. And I thought it was like, I thought it was good where I was at. I was like, this is good. And he's like, no, there's more. And so in every area, hey, if you want to know him, you can know him better. If you found some deliverance from some things and some freedom in some areas, hey, he wants the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. You think you see like he sees? You think you see people like he sees people? You think you see life like he sees life? There's more. There's more purpose. There's more making a difference. There's all of it. And here's my last one. You can hear him say, it's time. Have you had that moment where the Holy Spirit said, it's time? It's time. It's time for surrender. It's time for you to confess that thing. It's time for you to find freedom. It's time for you to take that next step, get involved. It's time for you to serve. It's time for you to give. It's time for you to love. It's time for you to help build the kingdom in the church. It's time for you to make the right priorities. It's time you fill in the blank with whatever your, your thing is. And so if it's, it's not, some of us are not afraid of being, taking that next step. Here's the last one. Some of us are afraid of failure. So we fear the past. We fear other people. We fear just taking that next step. And some of us, honestly, we fear the taking the next step because we're afraid we will fail. <laughs> Here's, I'm going to give you some encouragement. This is 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, you have every victory. And I know it's weird and you have to train your brain to think this way. But it's like in Jesus, I literally have every victory which means I, it's not as risky as you think it is. You can take a next step. You can be bold. You can trust God. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. 
I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm always with you. The only thing better than me walking alongside of you, teaching, doing miracles, healing, all of that is my spirit in you. I'm going to come and reside right here. I never leave. You can talk to me. I'll listen. I'll talk. I need you to listen. I'm going to give you some direction for your life. I'm going to save you from some hard things. I want great things for you. God wants better things for you than you want for yourself. For your, for, that your, than your parents want for you, than anybody in your life, your spouse, anybody in your life, God wants more for your life. Be, being led by his spirit. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God started a work. He promises to finish a work. And that's such an encouraging passage to me. And here's the last one, John 14, 26 through 27. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of everything that I've said to you, which is his job. So literally, God wrote a book. Holy Spirit inspired it. And then he reminds you of what he's already said. He will teach you all things and, and give you application for it. And then he says this right after Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Then he says this, do not be afraid. And for some of you, I know because I'm looking at your faces right now, I know who's in the room. For some of you, like the amazing things that God desires to do through you is on the other side of feeling the fear and then trusting God anyway. Your past does not disqualify you. He wants to use it. Stop, stop caring so much about what other people think. Care, care way more about what he says about who you are and about who they are. You need to get to a place where you realize that you're, you're discovering your purpose and you're making a difference is attached to pushing through fear, taking the next step you feel like God's asked you to take. Not being afraid of failure, but really just trusting that God, this is what God's asked me to do. And then do it. And do it. Uh, you're, you're not responsible for the results. You're not responsible for the numbers or the metrics or the things that look, you're not responsible for any of that. You're only responsible for faithfulness. You know how many people are going to get to heaven, stand in front of God one day, who thought they failed, and they're going to get there, and he's going to go, well done. Because they have no idea what, they have no idea the implications, the ripple effect, what their faith did. I just think about missionaries who've laid down their lives, who've never even reached a person, who planted seeds, who opened doors, who created opportunity for others to come behind them and serve people with the truth of the gospel of who Jesus is. But on paper, it just doesn't look that great. Well done. So what does that look like for me and for you? Be praying and thinking about that. Ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's my next step? God, what area of my life am I not going all in? And he'll tell you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word, God. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the vision that you have for your church. God, that you want us to know you better. You want the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. God, you, you, you direct and call us and draw us towards this hope that you've prepared for us. And the, the ultimate fulfillment, everything culminates in this glorious inheritance in your holy people. God, we get to be a part of something so much bigger than the part that we play. Would you help us to humble ourselves? Would you help us to surrender our agenda? Would you help us to lay down our lives for others? 
we who know you, who are in right relationship with you because of what Christ has done on our behalf, we who have been forgiven much, we who have realized what you've done in Jesus on the cross and by way of his resurrection, God, would you give us over to a vision for people the way that you see people? And we only get there by just deciding to press on through the fear that we feel, trusting you more, fearing you more than we do the people around us or the obstacles or the circumstances or whatever. But God, help us to have right reverence and a trust and an obedience in you. Give us over to the fulfillment and the joy, Jesus, that you promised us. It's your joy, and it's a complete joy. If you're here today and you just feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you feel like there's an area of your life that you know you have a next step, and it could be, it could be in surrendering your life to Christ or it could, be in, it could be in some area of finding freedom. There's some things you've just been wrestling with in your spirit or it could be there's some untapped potential. There's some purpose just hanging. You know there's something out there greater than what you're doing currently uh, and the ways that you're being used, your gifts, your talent, your time, all of that. If, if you just feel like there's more of making a difference in your life, you just feel like the Holy Spirit has spoke to you this morning, just lift your hand and just say, that's for me. I know there's some untapped potential. There's some areas of my life I have a next step. Amen. You can put your hands down. And if you're here today and on this Mother's Day, talk about vision and mission for our church. You just felt like the Holy Spirit just revealed the person of Christ to you. And you see Jesus for who he is, and you're tired of playing games or doing religious things or having, it's not about attending a church, it's not about owning a Bible, it's not about doing certain things, it's only about really surrendering your life to Christ, coming in right relationship with him as a result of what he's done. It has to be a moment of just full surrender, it has to be a moment of brokenness. And if you're here today and you want to experience what that's like, Bible tells us if you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, and you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you experience salvation. We'd love for you to experience that today. If you want to confess him as Lord with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just lift your hand in the room and just say, I need a moment of surrender. I need a moment of personal salvation. I need a moment where I give my life over to Christ. Amen. Is there anybody else? Just as for you, an opportunity to confess him as Lord. Awesome. If right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. God, I'm so grateful for what you've done. I confess you as Lord. I pray that you take my past. I don't, I don't know how you're going to use it. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But I'm tired of dragging it around. I pray that you take my past. Things that have happened to me. God, things that I've done to myself. God, sin and brokenness in my life. I pray you take it. You've already paid for it. And I pray you give me over to an incredible present. This moment right now where I feel freed up. And I feel surrender. God, I feel hope filled. And I feel joy. But God, give me over to an incredible future. I desire to make a difference in the lives of many. God, I pray that you would use all the hard things that I've gone through in my life for the saving of many lives. God, would you give me over to this purpose so that I can make a difference in the lives of others? Grateful that you've rooted me here. Would you surround me with, with biblical people, biblical community? Would you surround me with people who love you? Would you surround me with people who, who love me and desire more for me sometimes than I want for myself? Help me to submit and surrender my life to your word. And just, God, be led by your spirit. God, I pray for our church in this season that you give us more. You want more for us. God, would you whisper again? Holy Spirit, would you just whisper today to every single person who's here the next step that you have for us. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.